Hello and welcome to My Career, My Journey, a podcast series brought to you by skills My name is Jane Little and I am the founder and CEO of the company. In this series, we'll be interviewing successful women from engineering and construction who will share their career stories, experiences and insights. I'm delighted to welcome Deborah Nutt today. She's a senior leader at Arcadis, passionate about leading people as well as diverse and inclusive workplaces. She's a perfect fit for this series of talks. Deborah is a chartered civil engineer, a chartered project professional. She joined Arcadis in 2005 and has progressed from a project manager to a partner. Deborah is also the Global Gender Affinity Group Chair of the business and, and very much into creating diverse workforces and inclusive workspaces. So a very warm welcome, Deborah, and thank you for giving up your lunchtime to join us today. No, thank you for inviting me, Jane, to be fair, and it's, it's lovely to be here, to be honest with you. Well, Deborah, over to you then. Can, can you tell us a bit about your career today and, and how you've come to be where you are today? Yes, no problem. So um, those who do or don't know me, um, Jane has just given quite a good overview of, of, of life at Arcadis. Um, but I started um, the, the journey through um, civil engineering way back in too many years to remember. Um, I went to, I opted to do uh, A-levels, math, physics and chemistry, because it would get me further. Wasn't necessarily that good at them, but it would get me further and moved into doing civil engineering over at Salford. Um, and then I progressed through my career doing, working out on site uh, for Costain. So I've been that person out on the theodolite um, in the pouring rain, been there, done that. Um, moved through uh, into telecoms, where I spent seven years designing and building radio base stations for those of you who do have a mobile phone. It may have been me that built something near to where you live, you never know. Um, so I can tell you where there are some strategically placed ones, but that's for a different day. Um, and then I moved to Arcadis um, as a project manager, um, working with, uh, the intention was to work with the Environment Agency, uh, administering contracts for them in building flood defences. Um, and the rest, as they say, is history. I have been with Arcadis since. I have worked with that client all that time. Um, so that's knocking on for just nearly 18 years. 18 years in, in February it will be. Um, and I've worked through being project manager, senior project manager, associate into um, senior leadership, uh, leading um, our business accounts for the Environment Agency um, and taking on different roles such as charity board chair and, as you said, the gender affinity group chair. So uh, it's been long and varied. So um, I'm, I'm happy to share some of that um, over the next sort of 25 minutes. Fantastic. And it really it is quite then if you look at the sector that we work with, the broad range of roles and the broad range of companies, what's made you stay with Arcadis and, and in environment? The arcade, you don't necessarily say with your client because you may move from clients to clients. I've just been lucky. I've been established. Um, they respect me. I respect them. So it, it's all worked. Um, but why do I stay with Arcadis? Um, it has the same. We have the same values as, as I do. The, the business has the same values. It's all very people centric. We are a people organization and it's the people that make you stay in a business. Um, it's 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 clients having a decent have a good good client. It is, is beneficial, but it's the people I work with, it's the colleagues that I've got, it's the friends that I've made those colleagues into, if you see what I mean. So for me, uh, I know it is a bit of a cliche, but for me, it is definitely the people at Arcadis. There are some phenomenal people who do some phenomenal things, um, and it's it's always it's always a delight to work with different people. But yeah, it's the people. It's it's categorically the people. 
Fantastic. Well, if we look at you as a person, then, um, what what were you what were you interested in as a child? What were your favourite subjects at school? Was the writing on the wall or not at all? <laughs> no, the writing wasn't on the wall. To be fair, no. I um, when I was a small person, I always wanted to be a teacher, probably because my parents were teachers. But that's probably the only reason why. What did I like doing? Or oh, as a small child, um, my mum used to take photos if I actually played with a doll or would wear a dress. No, absolutely not. I would rather be outside with mud pies, uh, playing in the garden, climbing trees, all of that sort of thing. I was very much, uh, I, it was more exciting. It was more exciting than doing what was the other, to me anyway. Um, and then I loved Lego. I loved Meccano at that age, if you know what I mean. Um, and I just progressed through. What did I like? I liked doing all sorts of sport. I liked doing maths. Not terribly good at English, but I can hold my own. Um, but I loved science, that sort of thing. Um, and music. And I am, for those who know me, I am very musical. So as I progressed through school, I genuinely got to the stage of, right, done my GCSEs, it's A-level time. Do I do what I really, really like? In which case I'd have done history, geography, no, not history, a geography, probably French and music. And I'd probably be in a very different place to where I am today. But what I did do is I said, no, it's not not sure I get. We're going back. Don't forget 30 odd years. Not sure I get the same place. I'll do maths, physics and chemistry. So that's what I opted to do um, as A-levels, because I thought that will open more doors. That yeah. gave me a, a wider opportunity. Um and 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 it did some uh, I sort of fell into civil engineering because I was babysitting for somebody that was a family friend and I was like I don't know what to do and she said I think you'd make a really good civil engineer no idea what that is <laughs> you couldn't go away and google it at the time so I went and asked you know what civil en- it's building roads it's building bridges it's building infrastructure it's like oh yes I think I could do that so that's how I be- that's how I moved into civil engineering Fantastic. And and what strikes me about that is I'm sure you wouldn't have been surrounded by many fellow female students doing maths, physics and chemistry. And then I take it the lady you were babysitting for was also a female engineer or she certainly she, she, she knew was enough. No, she was the music teacher. She was happened to be the music teacher and I happened to be the right age to babysit her children and stuff like that. So no, completely different. But she did have a friend yeah. who was a civil engineer. So she'd made the correlation. So, yeah, Fantastic. That's how she thought I could do that. role modelling in action. That's brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. Um, out if you look back over the years, then your whole time, I know on your LinkedIn profile, it says you've seen lots of fields in Wales and lots of rooftops in London. Uh-huh. Yes. And then obviously you've had your, your lengthy career in Arcadis. What would you say was the favourite piece of work you've worked on and, and why? So when I was thinking about this, um, easy project that the project that I've had um, that's been the best that's been um, the hardest and the most rewarding is by far um, a project called memory managed realignment and that's a 10 that's 10 years ago now um, it was the first of its kind in the UK um, it's down on the south coast um, be, uh, between Brecklesham and Selsey so if anybody's been down um, to that neck of the woods during their summer holidays um, they may have stayed at what was called Bun Leisure. Um, it was a caravan park right next door to where it where the, the, the project that I've the, constructed was. What was it? It was building flood defences inland, um, randomly inland, away from the sea. Um, so it went seven kilometre embankment all around, uh, 
but basically in inland creating something like 284 hectares of sort of habitat and then we cut a cut a hole in the beach cut a hole in the shingle beach and let the sea in now wow. that's quite a different difficult message to be telling people and if anybody wants more information have a look on youtube because you could put in medmary managed realignment and it'll come up with loads but that was the hard it was innovative it's the first time it had been done in the, in the uk um out onto the open sea um so nobody knew the contractor had got no idea really about how to create habitat you've got a lot of stakeholder engagement hmm, we're going to build this and we're going to let the sea in what pardon you know <laughs> a very very difficult project so you've got contractors that don't understand really what they've let themselves in for designers that are trying to design it they don't really know what they're doing because it's so new so we had an awful lot of the traditional norming performing and storming of our team a lot of not necessarily getting it right but we worked through all of that, had some really difficult conversations and it was a success. And it's the, from an environment agency perspective, because they were the client, I think we ended up winning 23 industry awards because of what we delivered and the way we delivered it. Didn't start brilliantly. We had to work through it all. But yeah, it's 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 given me still makes the hair stand up on the back of my neck now when I talk about it. But it's also the project that's given me the most sleepless nights. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm I'll tell yeah, you what, really Deborah, good. as well, that listening to you talk about that answers that question about how have you stayed for so long with Arcade is working on these projects in this role. You, you clearly love every minute of what you're doing and that comes across, which is really energising. Um, let's talk about leadership then. What do you think are the real standout qualities of a good leader in today's world? I mean, it's a tricky one, that, isn't it? Because leaders can <laughs> different shapes sizes everything don't they um they do now <laughs> they do now absolutely but if I liken it to what I think um I'd like to think makes me a good leader I hope is you've got to be um you've got to have enthusiasm and passion for what you're doing um how are you expecting people to um to, to follow you and listen to you if you you haven't got that own inner passion yourself and you've equally got to listen to people Actually, leadership is not about being right all the time, though some people would say that that's out of the workplace. That might be what I like to do, be right all the time. But genuinely, I think you do. You have to listen to people. You have to flex with your decisions to suit where you're at, because good leadership is making decisions and going with that. It's not necessarily about being right all the time. It's not about your way. Listening to people leading by example I think Jane that's a key one you know if 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 people see that you are acting in the way that they perceive a leader should they're more yeah. likely to, to 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 sort of follow and to and to 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 be guided by you and, and to follow what you do because leadership's one thing but you've got to create followership otherwise you're a leader all on your own yeah which is no good but that that that's what I think it is for me you've got to be empathetic to other people as well you know, not everybody works the same way you do. Not everybody works the hours that you're prepared to do. All of those sorts of things. Um, so you've got you've you've got to you've got to do that. You've got to listen to people and give them their space to grow. Actually, under your leadership, giving them the space to grow makes you a good leader. And those people that you're that you're trying to lead and help develop and and all those sorts of things are are, are the future leaders. So you're spotting that and. And, and, and enabling them to, to flourish as well. 
Fantastic. And, and a really great point that you raise about followership, because 30 years ago, that wasn't a thing. You didn't have to have it. You just needed the job title. Uh, so and what's in a title is the truth. What's in a title? Yeah, absolutely true. Um, another question I've got as well, then when we talk about, you know, getting into leadership positions, when we the skills for programs are all about helping women and other underrepresented groups try and level that playing field and 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 get get their face known and recognized so we talk about the importance of building relationships even if you're not necessarily comfortable with putting yourself out there but building relationships the visibility the networking and sometimes as for women and other underrepresented groups you can feel a little bit on the fringe anyway have you got any tips for for doing that within your organization how how could you start if you hate it it's a hard one. Um, and I would say to the people on, on the call, don't assume that everybody really enjoys doing it. I uh, We don't. Um, I have to go and do it. And, you know, you do have to psych yourself up for doing it. Um, it's harder now sometimes because we're not face to face. That doesn't that, that, that can be quite hard. So you're often having to raise your profile on, on sort of team calls, which can be harder. But if I was to liken it to going to an, an event, because we're getting more into those, aren't we? We're getting yeah. back into seeing people. I think you've got to go to those events with a viewpoint on whatever it is the event you're going to. You're not just turning up at a party, are you? If you see what I mean, you're going to try to have a conversation with people, to influence people, to get people so that they go, oh, yeah, I remember you. Or you can contact them on LinkedIn and they go, oh, yes, I remember I was having a chat with you. Um so it's going to those events and having a, ha having your view and not being afraid to to talk about it. Um, but I also recognise it's quite hard to just pitch up and talk about it. So the advice I often give to, to, to my people I mentor is to sort of you literally have to go and psych yourself up, go to the loo. When you as soon as you arrive, go to the loo, calms you down. You can set you can look around the room as you're going to the loo, work out where people are, what's going on deep breaths and it is uh, there's loads of TED talks about it but it's so true deep breaths right we can do this go and get yourself a drink doesn't have to be alcoholic it's a prop go and get yourself a drink and survey the scene you can stand there quite quietly having a resist the urge to pick your phone up because we can all hide behind a phone it's dead easy resist the, resist the urge to do that perhaps see where the walk around the room perhaps see where the conversations are going and then actually, if you think, oh, there's a, there's a couple of two or three people there, they obviously don't know it. It's not a big gaggle of people. Go and stand near them. Just go and stand near them and having a drink and you'll hear them say something. And then you can go, oh, yes, I yes, I, I liked that speaker. That speaker was really good. And you're in. Fantastic. And then you're in and you're having that conversation um, and then you'll start to calm down. The shakes will go and then you can you can continue and you have that conversation. But it's having that you've got to have a view on what you've speakers you've just seen or the presentation that's just been had go with a couple of nuggets of yeah that was really good or yes we do that within Arcadis or that sort of thing and you can easily do that in your own organization yes we do that with our account yes we do that in water management yes we do that in places it doesn't have to be an external event um, that's how I would do it but ease yourself in and try not to hide behind the stuff that's <laughs> so easy to the, I just check my emails <laughs> 
so easy to do it isn't it yeah but oh, it's still no more still no, no new ones from yeah. the 30 seconds ago exactly <laughs> do you find it gets easier the more you do it as with most things yes it's like anything it's like standing up and doing your first presentation in front of a room full of people you're very nervous and it's you know but the more and more you do it you'll feel completely comfortable somebody else giving you know giving you their presentation and you go yeah i i can i can do that so yeah it, it does get easier it does get easier with practice it's like anything it's a skill yeah it's a skill you've got to practice so you know we're looking about everybody's part of this alumni on this call because they love engineering they love construction they love the sector they work in and they want like you more diverse and inclusive workplaces with more diverse role models but on the flip side of that we need to look after our mental health and well-being so it's self-care week this week and my question to you is how do you look after your positive mental health and, and general well-being what are your tips on that it is hard these days, isn't it? Because you can get so stuck and uh, at the laptop on calls all the time. Um, so for me, what I do is um, I like to try to have some form of physical activity um, every day if I can. And that can be walking for half an hour. And that's the that's the least. If I if I can, people can see it behind me. I'm sure I do actually have a cross trainer behind me. Yes, I can actually use that. <laughs> Equally, um, I might go for a run. So something like that that for me, if I do those things, I don't necessarily I subconsciously think about work probably, but I'm more interested in not getting run over and keeping breathing and not falling over. Um, so there's different things to concentrate on, which which helps my mental, um, my, my mental journey really. And, and that really helps me, I find. Taking a step away from the, from the, from the laptop is equally a good thing and it really is um you will be surprised how energized you feel if you've had half an hour off just to walk around the garden if you've got a garden or walk up and down the stairs if you live in a flat something that just gets you out and away from it um but i am fortunate or unfortunate whichever way you look at it i have a i have a four-year-old uh, little boy so there are hard stops that i have to achieve you know i have to stop to go to pick him up from nursery I can try and look at an email on my phone um, while he's around, but invariably that turns into mummy, can I have a look at a picture? So that's no. <laughs> so so the, the not doing work, setting yourself boundaries, really setting yourself boundaries and sticking to them. Don't get swayed by them. These days it is perfectly okay, regardless of whether you've got a family or not, to say no. My hard stop is I want to finish work at four o'clock on a Friday. Who doesn't want to finish work at four o'clock on a Friday? That's my hard stop. I'm going to stop. I'm going to do something for me because that's actually beneficial. And More and leaders. More leaders more... like you, please, Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's the truth, though, isn't it? Because actually you've got to look after yourself because that's the where it starts. I can look after as many people as I can. I can keep an eye out for people, you know, in a work environment. But people have got to take a bit of ownership to say no themselves or I'm going to step away themselves, that sort of thing. But that's what I do. So, yes, that's, it's music. That's in the evening. I can I play a cornet. Um, so I play music and I also try to do activity of some shape or form. Fantastic. Um, great to hear that. 
Um, I'm just looking at a couple of questions coming in and linking to that. Amy Bachelor, Amy, hi. Um, nice to hear from you. Amy's written, you know, do you find it hard to switch off? Now, I know you've got Oliver, so he makes it very easy for you. But say when he's in bed, you know, and you to mentally switch off at the end of the day, do you find that hard or are you tempted to work longer hours to compensate for your four o'clock finish? Um, I think it personally, I'm happy to work in the evening and it becomes a personal choice. And that's the that's the key thing. That's the that, that's what I mean. It is a it is a personal choice. So if I have a deadline to meet and I want to, to to make sure I finished, I will work in the evening when Oliver's gone to bed. That's my choice. Um, and I recognise that. But I've done that before Oliver and before I had children. Um, yeah. I would be happy. It's, it, it's, it's down to me when I work. I am in a fortunate position that I know that that's the case. Um, but when I do need to switch off, no, I have no trouble switching off. I'm more likely to switch... I, I don't tend to switch the computer on at the weekend anymore, whereas I used to historically. But actually, I'm more than happy to do an hour in the evening when Oliver's gone to bed. But I won't really do much more than that. That's, but that's, that's my great. choice, my yeah. choice to do it. I don't expect other people to do it. So that's 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 down to me. But I, yeah, that's I don't do it to the weekend now. <laughs> great advice. And also it's great for people in, in your teams to see you're not on at the weekend which is good um and again it's it's we're delving into people know more about your personal life paula <laughs> paula pontis um how do you manage how did you manage maternity and the work balance when you have hard deadlines and when a project goes wrong so it's this work-life balance in an ideal world and then wheels fall off how do you manage <laughs> that's a good question to be honest with you um it's prioritising, I think, isn't it? You know, um, it is prioritising and there does have to be flexibility. Um, it And it, it also depends on, it depends on your own situation. It depends on your family. It depends on, I am quite happy now to pop Oliver in front of the TV for half an hour if I need to in an afternoon when I've picked him up from nursery. A, he's worn out, so it's actually good for him. He's having a snack, so it's no problem. And it might be that I just finish off what I need to do. I do recognise that not everybody else can do that. But if I have got problems and a project's gone really wrong and I'm not going to be able to maintain my work-life balance, then, my, then I would be raising it to my line manager to say, I need some help. I need some support or, you know, a colleague. I need some support. Um, I just need I, I, I just can't do this. Don't be afraid to say I can't do it by the deadline. I can do it for tomorrow. So it's going back to people and explaining. I, I really can't do it by then because the wheels have fallen off, but I'll do it by tomorrow. Yeah. Is that I, OK? So it's I bet you that haven't. Conversation. I bet you haven't had many people say, actually, no, that's not OK. People tend to ask for things with a lean deadline anyway, don't they? They do. They do. And 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 more and more. If you if you say that it's gone wrong and I'm trying to fix it, why would they say, no, I want you to do it by four o'clock today? It's pointless because they're not going to get the outcome that they want. But it's having the confidence in yourself. To say that to somebody and that can be quite hard, I do recognise that can be quite hard. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it links back to what you'd said about being a good leader and having followership as well. That all builds to your team pitching in and wanting to help you when things fall off. Yes. Um, 
Angie has asked a question. Debs, what achievement most challenged you? So we're not going back to the South Coast. We'll have to pick a different one. And what was that achievement challenge outside of being a mummy? She's put. (laughs) I know she has. Thanks, Angie. Um, What achievement most challenged you? Trying to give the one that is most challenging. I think I think I'm actually going to go with um, becoming a partner here. It would either be that or it would be getting chartered as a civil engineer. But they probably both got a similar story in the fact that um, I didn't get it first time on either of them. <laughs> I, I, I failed my uh, civil engineering uh, chartership interview. And equally, when I went to become a partner first time around uh, at Arcadis, I wasn't successful. So actually um, picking yourself up from both of those events, dusting yourself down, getting slightly frustrated I won't lie slightly annoyed (laughs) probably consumed one too many glasses of white wine and red wine but once you got past that initial actually yeah they were right and picking yourself up and going yeah yeah that was right that was right right what am I going to do now to 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 do something about that so that I'm successful next time um which is genuinely what I did so I didn't get it first time either of them regrouped, resat, redid, was successful. Um, so that was the outcome, but that was the challenging part of it. You know, picking yourself up when you've not done so well and you consider yourself to be a failure, picking yourself up, dusting yourself down and and, and getting back into it is is quite a challenge. So that's what I would say. Um Angie really is that's that's the that's what's challenged me the most is 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 to get to being um get being successful at becoming a partner. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm sure everybody on the call will uh, agree. You've, you've been so open and honest and candid, you know, rather than having this perfect journey. So it's, it's been lovely to hear that. And thank you for, for sharing everything with us, Deb. We really appreciate that. Are there any questions you wished, wished I'd asked you or any final thoughts that you want to have before you release back into your day? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I mean, uh, I think it's uh, a lot of people say, well, how did you get here? What was it? You know, explain your journey. What would you say to yourself if you were, you know, went back again? You know, and I would just say to the people on the call, it's hard, but have some confidence in yourself. You're way better than you know you probably think you are. You can do all the things you think you can't do, um, and just to have that confidence, and actually maybe reach out to somebody that can help build you that confidence. Um, uh, look at getting yourself mentors, that sponsors, that sort of thing because they can make a huge difference, if I'm honest, and they can make a huge difference in in progressing you through your career. And before you know it, you will be sitting looking at your application for some form of leadership, whether it be, you know, associate levels, partners, level, whatever it is in your organisation, directors, you'll be looking at that before long going, oh, right, OK, now I'm the leader. You'll be sitting where I am. Right. Okay. It is. It is. Um, So, yeah, a bit more confidence in yourself. Um, And obviously that's that's a lot of what the alumni talks are about as well, to try and just unlock that in somebody so they can see it for themselves um that's wonderful well do you know what it has been such an insightful 30 minutes speaking speaking with you deborah thank you so much for sharing your time your experience and for being so candid we've all really enjoyed it my pleasure my pleasure and have a lovely afternoon thanks for taking time out yeah take care thanks very much shane 
We hope you enjoyed listening to the experience and insights of Deborah Nutt, partner at Arcadis. Please join us next time when I will be talking with award-winning senior design manager, Ruby Kanzi from MACE. That's all for this episode. We'll see you next time.